Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The following podcast was recorded for my folks over on the Patreon on February 12th, 2021. If you're interested in joining up to the old Patreon, you can find that at patreon.com slash Stephen R. Or the link will be in the show notes. In the meantime, this podcast will contain just a crap ton of spoilers. I figured I should warn you. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Other Podcast. My name is Steve and I'm your host. Oh boy. It's Friday, folks. It's Friday. That means we're talking WandaVision. This is episode number six, entitled The All-New Halloween Spooktacular. Now, before I start, I wanted to mention a new theory. I think we're going to talk about a lot of the theories at the end of this episode, but a new theory popped up yesterday. So there's a ton of different YouTube channels and podcasts and all that junk that I go and watch and listen to after I've watched an episode of WandaVision. You know, throughout the week, people are posting stuff and putting their theories out. But one of the ones I tend to watch regularly is called Screen Crush. And He's been putting out a lot of really interesting episodes about WandaVision, and he put one up the other day that it just felt like he uh, just, he hadn't planned on putting the episode up, but he had done an entire episode about the hexagons. I remember mentioning the hexagons at one point, and maybe it was just in another episode of my other podcast. Uh, If you folks listening through just another fanboy, maybe you didn't hear that one. I don't know. You could have if you just joined the Just Another Fan Club over there at the Patreon. But you know what? That's not what we're here for. Anyway, I had mentioned that a lot of people are focusing on the hexagons in this show because the field that surrounds Westview is a hexagon. There's a lot of hexagons in the opening credits of some of the earlier shows, the 50s and the 60s and 70s shows. And there's there's just hexagons all over the frickin' place in the background, in the decor, and all that junk. So he had done this whole episode. Well, I had mentioned, before we get to that, I had mentioned that I had been, I had just finished rewatching the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe all over again. And suddenly, because I'm watching WandaVision, and the hexagons are popping up all over WandaVision, they're suddenly popping up all over the Marvel movies. But only... Only toward the back half, maybe. I first noticed them in Ant-Man, in the Cross Labs or Cross Industries, whatever that place is, or not Cross. What I don't know. Where they go to, they have to break in at the end to steal the, the yellow jacket thing. 
there are there are hexagons all over the lab. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, when they're jumping through jump points in space to get to various areas of space, the jump points are all hexagons. And then I noticed them in Captain Marvel. The Kree homeworld is just ripe, ripe with freaking hexagons. They're all over the place. They're in their architecture. They stand on a hexagon when they are wanting to speak with the freaking Cree intelligence thing. I don't know why I can't think of the name of it. Not not important right now, but they're all over the place. So this guy had done an episode about all the hexagons and what they might mean for the show. And apparently as he wrapped up his show, his editor or producer or something mentioned, well, maybe, maybe the Cree are the bad guys in WandaVision. Now, I don't know if I 100% believe that, but it was an interesting idea. And it brought up a couple of thoughts in my head. First of all, he mentioned that maybe that means that Director Hayward is a Cree secret agent and that the Cree are behind this because ultimately Captain Marvel, Veers, as they called her, Carol Danvers, they were going to use her as a weapon because she was imbued with the power of one of the Infinity Stones and that blew up in their face. And so now they have this opportunity to use Wanda either as a weapon herself because she seems to she seems to have the she's like a mini freaking infinity gauntlet she's obviously not well we don't know that she's as powerful because she's never really we've never seen her put her powers to the test but she seems to be able to do all the things that the infinity gauntlet can do and she was used by Hydra using one of the Infinity Stones, and that's what gave her her powers. And so the idea, the theory here is that the Kree are using her uh, either to um, to mind control her, which they pretty much did with Carol Danvers, and to use her as a weapon or to have these two children that they can then use as a weapon. And that may be the reason why the field around Westville is a hexagon is because it is a jump point uh, such as what we see in space, and this is their start of rebuilding a new Kree empire. Again, I don't know if I believe in that, but it did make watching this episode just a bit more interesting. And one of the things that I thought of right away is way back in episode three, when Herb and Agnes were talking and Vision came upon them and he wanted to know what they were talking about, and Herb says something to the effect of, well, it's because we are and then he won't say the last word, and everybody says he's going to say trapped. He's he's he wants to say trapped. That's the word he's, the, the, that they that he didn't say was trapped. What if the word he wanted to say was Cree? What if all of the citizens of freaking Westview are actually Cree secret agents, and Westview is really a you know a, a secret. Cree cell. I don't know, just something I thought of, just something to keep in the back of your mind. All right, so this episode was actually a series, uh, an episode set in the 2000s. I wasn't quite sure at first because I was expecting the episode to be the the first episode set in the 2000s. I was expecting to be more something like The Office or Parks and Rec. And this was very much a Malcolm in the Middle episode, but Malcolm in the Middle started in the year 2000. And there's a moment in the episode where Wanda and the kids are walking through the town square and you can see the movie theater behind them. And one of the movies that are showing is The Incredibles. And that was like 2004, 2006, somewhere like that. So this is a 2000s episode, which again is weird. 
that means they skipped the 90s. And now I got to kind of wonder, why did they skip the 90s? They, they did 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. They skipped the 90s, and now we are in the 2000s. And is there a reason for that? Is there? Are we going to find out some diabolical reason why they jumped over the 90s? Or is it because that is their little tongue-in-cheek way of saying, remember Marvel Comics in the 90s? They were terrible, I guess. That, I mean, maybe that's all it is. I don't know. I found it amusing, though, when I really got to think about it. But again, this is a Malcolm in the Middle episode. And if you've ever watched Malcolm in the Middle, you know that Malcolm speaks to the camera. None of the other characters do, but Malcolm does. So in this episode, both of the twins, Tommy and Billy, they talk to the camera. So it's also Halloween, and we get to see everybody in their various costumes, uh, Billy and Tommy are are where well Billy's wearing a costume Tommy is not. Now, here's where one of them spoilers comes in. If you're not really paying a lot of attention, if you're not steeped in Marvel knowledge, and I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I'm steeped in Marvel knowledge. It's just that I watch a lot of these other videos and listen to all these other, well, it's mostly videos, but Tommy and Billy in the comic books eventually end up being they're they're wiped out of existence somehow. This is the part of the this is when I wasn't reading comics, but they're wiped out of existence somehow, and then they they come back, they're reincarnated, and they are members of the new Avengers. And Tommy is a character named Speed, and Billy is a character named Wiccan. Uh, Speed obviously is very fast, like Quicksilver, and Wiccan is uses magical powers like Wanda. Well, Billy is wearing a Halloween costume, and it's very I mean it's very homemade. He's just basically got a blanket or a towel tied around his neck to be a cape, and he's got a headband on, but it's very, it emulates the Wiccan costume. Wanda comes down from upstairs. She's dressed in her Scarlet Witch costume, which she refers to as a Sokovian fortune teller. Vision comes down from upstairs, and he's in his classic comic book Vision costume. Again, these are all very homemade looking. He's like wearing yellow Frickin' boxer shorts and yellow chucks and, and spandex and whatnot. But he is, uh, it's really funny because, again, if you f- forgot from the last episode, Pietro showed up, but it's the X-Men Pietro from the X-Men universe, the Fox X-Men movies. He is trying to guess Vision's costume, and he says, let me guess, you're a traffic light. You're a half a shucked corn. You're a booger. And uh, Vision says, Yes, that's it. I'm I'm a booger. Well, turns out he's actually a Mexican wrestler and uh he is getting ready to head out. It's Halloween and she's it's it's kind of a there there's these moments throughout this episode where they 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 don't quite break character. They're talking about stuff which in earlier episodes would have had them breaking character, but I guess because this is an episode set in the 2000s, I don't know. They handle it as if it's part of the episode as if they're still in character. And, you know, there's something to be said about these TV shows going through the various decades, because as TV evolved, the subjects became more serious and they were able to tackle real issues. And so maybe that's kind of the point here with them speaking about what's going on around them in the real world without breaking character with without, you know, while still making it part of the episode, because Vision says he's ready to head out. And Wanda, Wanda doesn't understand because they're supposed to go trick or treating. And he says, no, I'm 
I'm a, I'm in disguise. I, I have to go out as part of the neighborhood watch because, you know, this is the night where people, you know, kids go out and they TP and the trees and stuff and all that. And she starts to say, no, that's not what you're supposed to. And he interrupts her and he says, what? You know, knowing that based on the argument they had last episode, they, they, they're all, they understand now that there's something a little different going on. And She's basically saying, that's not what is in the script. And he's basically saying, I don't care. I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. And rather than have a big knockout, drag out fight about it, they have a slight tense discussion. And at that point, one of the twins, Billy, I think, he starts talking to the camera and he says, you know, mom and dad lately, they haven't been so much fighting. They've just, they've just been different. And uh, Vision heads out to do what he's going to do. Pietro basically steps in and says, you know, that's okay. Let Vision go. I'll be the man of the house. They just they just need a, you know, a, a father figure when y'all are out trick-or-treating. I can do that. And she says, you don't have a costume and neither does Tommy. And he grabs Tommy by the hand and using his super speed, they run out of the house. And when they come back in, they're both wearing costumes, which are basically the Quicksilver, you know, a homemade Quicksilver outfits. He even, Pietro even has his hair sticking up on either end. It's it's really, really quite funny. But I should mention real quick, again, um, the uh the 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 conversation that Wanda and Vision have, it it very much, like I said, it fits into the sitcom setting. It's like if this were just a regular sitcom episode and she had been hoping that Vision was gonna go trick-or-treating with them, but he had changed their plans, his plans, you know, they kind of have a have a tense moment where they kind of have a little back and forth about it, but knowing really what's beneath the surface kind of uh, kind of changes the mood of the conversation. It gives a whole new meaning to their little. And again, it's not a fight; it's just a it's just a discussion. And then when Vision is ready to leave, he tells Wanda, "Now, Wanda, be good." And again, it's got serious undertones to that simple goodbye. So we then go from there back to the sword encampment and Monica is having a discussion with Hayward. And in the end, the the two have an argument. He's just very into uh, finding Wanda. He basically wants to send in, he wants to figure out how to send people in to the hex, to the field, to Westview and take out Wanda. That's that's his solution. Take out Wanda, it all ends. That's That's it. That's all they got to do. She doesn't agree with him. She still thinks that uh, Wanda may not be in total control of her faculties, that she's just not this big, bad, evil thing that everybody else seems to think she is. And they argue. And eventually he uh, he makes mention of her and her not really a soft spot, but the way she stands up for superpowered people. And he makes a comment about her relationship with Captain Marvel, which seems to touch a nerve. And... He even says something to the effect of, you know, you people who left because she was part of the blip, she left for five years. You people who left don't understand what it was like while you were gone. You don't understand what we had to do to keep the lights on. And she says, don't use the last five years as an excuse to be a coward. And he tells her, you know, it's a good thing you weren't around when your mother passed away because she would not she would not like basically the, you know, this, this path that you're proposing. And then he ends up kicking her off the base or kicking her out of the, uh, the sword encampment. And he includes Darcy and Jimmy in that as well. Cause they both happen to be there. Well, they leave, but before they leave the camp, Monica and Jimmy just go into butt kicking mode and they beat up a couple of, a few sword agents and they steal their, their freaking raincoats and whatnot and their hats and everything. So they can kind of 
make their way through the encampment as sword agents. And so it's obvious they have some kind of plan. They're going to help uh, Wanda in some way. I just want to say real quick, uh, last episode, I edited most of it out, but I kept saying Monica instead of Wanda, and I kept saying Wanda instead of Monica. And if I do that, I may have already done it more than once already in the episode, but just just forgive me. Just bear with me. It's going to happen, and I may not catch it every time. I I caught it enough the last time that I was able to quickly correct myself and then edit out the mistakes, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Anyway, we go back to Wanda and Pietro, and they're out with the kids and they're trick-or-treating, and Wanda starts grilling him. She's like, hey, remember that guy back in Sokovia who, when we were in the orphanage and he used to steal your food and he had the skin condition, what was his name? And he just goes, ah, you're testing me. He's like, it's it's cool. It's cool. I know I'm different. I know I look different. And she goes, why is that? Why do you look different? And again, this is, it's all very, you know, they're not, this is something that if they were having this conversation in an earlier episode set in the fifties or the sixties or the seventies, then they they would have been stepping out of character to do it, but they're staying in character. It's like no different than anybody else around them. And she's like, well, why why do you look different? And he says, you tell me. I mean, if I had found Shangri-La, I wouldn't want to be reminded of the past either. So there's a lot of back and forth between them in regard to, it, it's almost as if you you feel almost that he, know, he knows exactly what happened, but not really. They kind of clarify that a little bit later. But something I want to point out, here real quick. Um, think about this for a second. The last time we saw Pietro before he shows up in WandaVision, he was in, or this version of Pietro, this this actor playing this character was in an X-Men movie set in the 80s. Well, which decade of television show were they in when she pulled him into this world? The 80s. Is that a coincidence? Probably not. And it makes me wonder if there's a reason why they're stepping through the decades like this. And if maybe there's somebody in the 2000s that they're going to, I don't know. I just found it kind of interesting. So Pietro and the boys go off to do some trick or treating and they want to get their candy fast. So Pietro takes both of them by the hand and using his super speed, they just start zooming all over to get candy. And Wanda notices Herb standing there. He's dressed as, I believe it was Frankenstein and so she comes up and starts talking to him, you know, hey, Herb, how's it going? And he, uh, he's he got an earpiece in his ear and he goes, oh, hey, Wanda. And he goes, oh, hold on just a second. And he's part of the neighborhood watch. So he's hearing reports about what's coming in through the neighborhood watch. And it's all stuff like the first thing he's like, what you're saying, all the candy is disappearing. And then we see Pietro with the boys zooming past, stealing everybody's candy. And he's like, and, and pumpkins are being smashed. And we see them zooming and smashing pumpkins and which was a band I never listened to. Uh, and he says, and, and now you're saying everybody's covered in silly string. And again, we see them zooming around covering everybody in silly string. And he's, he's like, okay, I, I guess I'll look into it. And so he goes, he goes back to, to Wanda and she discovers through him that vision, even though he said he was heading out to do uh, stuff for the neighborhood watch, he's not actually on duty that night. And she's very curious about that. And then Herb says something that, again, is very, it's off script, it's out of character, but it's just handled completely just like a normal thing for him to say. And he says, is there something I can do for you, Wanda? Do you, do you want something changed? And she's, no, no, that's okay. And so it's it's almost as if 
This episode is just, well, you get the appearance, you get the feeling that everybody is just, they, they've accepted their roles. They've, they've come to, they're, they're, they're feeling comfortable in their new roles and they're just, they've accepted that this is the way life is now. However, we find that Vision is just wandering around town and he's, he's near the edge of town and he comes across a house where there's two folks outside a lady who is hanging up a ghost in the yard on a line like between two trees and then her husband who's kind of blurry he's in the background behind her who's setting out decorative pumpkins or something like that but they're on a loop they're acting very much like non-player characters like they're they're not out of Wanda's range but since Wanda isn't there to see it they don't they they aren't doing anything special they're just going through the motions and she's basically doing the same thing over and over she's reaching up to hook the line and then she she pulls it down and then she reaches up to hook the line she's just doing it over and over in a very robotic fashion while her husband is going back and forth setting the same pumpkin down and that's when you notice a tear suddenly start rolling down her cheek and you just it's i just felt so bad for this poor lady because you know she's being forced to do these things and somewhere deep down inside she knows that she's being forced to do it and it kind of i don't know the whole idea that these are all you know originally when i said at the beginning of the episode that somebody said that the cree could be involved and i got this weird idea that maybe the the entire town are cree citizens i don't know it i stuff like this makes me rethink what's going on um I never really, I've again, I've never felt fully really embraced this whole Cree idea. I mean, I, I, I can see it for director Hayward, but we'll see. I, I just don't know at this point really what's going on. But at this point, we get our commercial, and it's the first commercial that has just completely baffled me as far as trying to find really any meaning to Wanda's life in it. It's a claymation commercial, and it's a boy on a deserted island one of those little cartoon islands that are that are just a few feet wide and have a palm tree in the middle of it and he's really hungry and a shark comes rolling up on him and he gives him a little container of yo magic which is a yogurt and the boy then <laughs> tries to open this this yogurt and he can't get it open and he eventually they do like a time lapse of him trying to open this yogurt and he eventually dies just laying there in front of this freaking leaning back against this palm tree. And we just watch him in in a freaking time lapse as he gets skinnier and skinnier and then eventually turns into a skeleton and he's dead. And then the, the shark appears again and he says, yo, magic, the snack for survivors. And that's the end of the freaking commercial. It was super dark and I guess what they're trying to say is the only way Wanda is going to be able to survive or the only way that people are going to be able to survive is through Wanda's magic. And it does kind of key into something that happens at the very end of the episode. So maybe this is a bit of foreshadowing in regard to what happens at the end of the episode. We'll get to that in a bit. So we go back to Wanda and Pietro and they're they're talking some more and they're they're talking about, you know, just regular, just actual real stuff and she asks him where his accent went, and he asks her the same thing. And this is where we kind of get the idea that he doesn't quite understand how he got there. I think she even asks him, and he's like, you know, one minute I'm getting shot in the street, and the next minute I hear you calling, and uh, so now I'm here. 
Uh, the the boys come back and we find out that Tommy has super speed because Tommy ends up being in the comics. He ends up being uh, speed. But this is the first time we get any kind of inkling that the boys are going to have some kind of superpowers. And so Tommy's super excited because he's got super speed and he wants to go. He want, he, he and his brother, he wants to take his brother out using the super speed to do more trick or treating. And she says they can go, but warns him you know, well, you know the rule. And he says, yes, don't go past Ellis Avenue. And so then they let him go and he goes running off. We find out back at the sword camp, Darcy has has been hacking into Hayward's computer system and she finds out that Hayward is tracking vision. He's found a way to track vision while he is in Westview. Basically, he's tracking a decaying vibranium and vision is made out of vibranium and he had died, and his vibranium was decaying. Speaking of which, there's another theory. They they made a big deal about Hayward showing Wanda breaking into S.W.O.R.D. to steal Vision, and of course, they played that for us to think that Wanda's the big bad. She stole Vision to bring him back to Westview so she can have a happy life with her husband, but it's been suggested, and I think it was the guy from Screen Crush that suggested it. You know, Jimmy Woo at one point says that in Vision's living will, he 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 basically says he doesn't want to be used as a weapon. He doesn't want anybody taking him apart, rebuilding him, bringing him back to life. He does not want to be used as a weapon. And so maybe that's why, really, Wanda came and got him, because she knew that S.W.O.R.D. was trying to create a weapon using him. And then if you, if you take the extra step that Hayward might be a Kree agent, then he was trying to create a weapon for the Kree, and she stopped them from doing that. And so now he's trying to use her to create a weapon using her children. But we discover, at, because he's tracking vision, we see another, basically he's just a red blip on a digital map on a computer screen, and we see a bunch of gray blips around him. And they deduce that, you know, Darcy and Jimmy and Monica deduce that these are just the townspeople. And one of them point out that near the edge of the town, these people are not, they're not moving. And one of them asks, are they dead? And uh, that's when we we meet up with Vision. He's at the edge of town. And in fact, he comes across a a car sitting at an intersection, the intersection of Rolling Hill and Ellis Avenue. Now, Vision at this point has shed his Halloween costume, and he's looking like straight-up Avengers Vision. Well, in the car is Agnes, and she is very... She's acting like one of these NPCs to a certain extent. She's just sitting there with the car running. She's not moving. Vision tries to talk to her. She she starts to talk to him, but it's very... She seems very out of it. She's basically saying that she she's trying to get to the the town square, but she must have gotten lost and he's confused by that. You know, you got lost in a town you grew up in and so he uses his powers like he did with Norm in the previous episode to wake her up. And as soon as she wakes up, she sees him and she's, "Oh my gosh, your vision, you're one of the Avengers. Are you here to save us?" and He's like, what's what? What are the Avengers? He he doesn't know who the Avengers are. And then she says, "Am I dead?" And he goes, "No, of course not. Why would you think that?" And she says, "Because you're dead." And or no, she says, "Because you are." And he goes, "Because I'm what?" And she says, "Dead." She says it four times. She says, "Dead, dead, dead," and louder and louder and louder. And so he tells her, "Agnes, it is my intention to reach those outside of Westview and make sense of our situation." And she says, "How?" No one leaves 
Wanda won't even let us think about it. And then she says, all is lost. And she just starts cackling like a freaking witch. And so he uses his powers to basically turn control of her back over to Wanda. And she just snaps back into sitcom Agnes and she does a Yui and drives away. And one and and Vision then sets forth and crosses Ellis Avenue. If you remember, Ellis Avenue was the road that Wanda told the children, do not go past Ellis Avenue. We go back to Darcy, Monica, and Jimmy. Monica has gotten into contact with her friend. He she mentioned him in a in a previous episode, and he's gonna help her get back into Westview. And I really want to know who she's talking about. Hopefully we'll see whoever this is in the next episode because she says she's going to, I think she said him that, that he's an hour away. And once he's, once he arrives, they'll be able to get into Westview. Well, at that time, Darcy's over there sitting at a table, still hacking into Haywood's computer system. And she is looking at Monica's medical files. And she tells Monica based on what she can see that she should not go back into Westview. She tells Monica that she has gone through the barrier twice and that the energy inside it has rewritten her cells on a molecular level twice, that it is changing Monica. And again, I get all excited because I'm hoping that that means she's getting her superpowers. We go back to Wanda and Pietro there in the town square. Pietro is just loving it. He's like, I love this place. It's very down home. And he says, mom and dad would have loved it. And she says, yes, mom and dad would have loved it. And then that made me realize that the commercial we saw earlier is the first commercial that did not include that man and that woman. They have been in every commercial since. And the reason why this made me realize that is because one of the theories that's thrown around out there is that the man and woman in those commercials are Wanda and Pietro's mom and dad. And if that's the case, and even if it's not the case, why suddenly are we getting a commercial without them? Was the the boy on the desert island, was that actually a little girl? Where was, is that, was that supposed to represent the woman? I believe that whoever it was, boy or girl, had red hair. Now that I think about it, and I'm pretty sure the woman in the commercials had reddish hair. And then, so does that mean the shark was supposed to represent the man? I don't know. The commercial totally confused me. Well, then Pietro just basically starts telling her how he really, he he thinks what she has done in Westview was done very well, and he's very impressed. And then he asks her how she did it. How, how did you do this? How did you do all this, Wanda? And that tickled me a little bit in the back of my brain, because I started, immediately my thought was, wait a minute, is Pietro on the up and up? Is he a plant? Is he a spy? Is he a mole? Is he here to try to get information from her? Is he here to figure out how she did this? And if so, why? Who is he working for? Who sent him in? I'm all confused. Well, she tells him that she doesn't know how she did it. She says, I only remember feeling completely alone, empty. I just, and then she pauses and says, endless nothingness. She starts to cry. She sobs just a little bit. She turns away from Pietro and then she turns back to him. And suddenly it's like that jump scare when she saw Vision and he was dead, like the living dead Vision. Well, now she's seeing Pietro, a living dead version of Pietro with bullet holes in him. She gasps, turns away, turns back. Pietro is normal again. And he asks, are you okay? Well, we go back to Darcy. 
She's cracked Hayward security. See, Jimmy and Monica were getting where they headed out to go meet whoever it is she's waiting for. And Darcy decides she's going to stay behind because she's very close to getting all the way into Hayward's computer system. And she knows he's hiding something in there. And she finds something called cataract and she emails it to Jimmy Woo. And when she does, as she's typing in his email address, she's typing in his name, James, three other names come up. This happens if, if, you know, if you're ever typing in somebody's email address into Gmail or if you're at work and you're on a work server, you know, it always, it starts to give you who you think maybe you're looking for based on the letters that you're typing in. And so it gives her three suggestions, a James Gad, a James Alexander, and a James Seckler. I did not look any of these up. I meant to. So I don't know who these might represent. That It could be anything such as people who work on the show or actual Marvel characters, some deep cuts. I, I don't know. I don't know who they are. But she sends this to Jimmy. Well, in the meantime, Vision reaches the barrier and he pushes through the barrier. And that sets off an alert since Hayward is tracking him and they realize that he's coming through the barrier. And so they all jump in their cars and they head out to meet him. Darcy realizes what's going on. She runs out there as well. And they all arrive as Vision pushes his way through the barrier. Well, once he gets outside the barrier, immediately pieces of him start breaking off and are sucked back toward the barrier. And it's like he's struggling to move forward as just tiny pieces of him keep pulling away from him and moving back, you know, getting shot back into the barrier. And it's almost as if everything about him that makes him who he is now was created inside the barrier and that's where it needs to be. So it's being sucked back in. Well, Darcy goes running toward him and she's yelling at everybody, what are you doing? Help him, push him back in. And they grab her and handcuff her. And she's like, what are you doing? You got to help him. And he's he, he yells out at one point, he goes, help, the people need help. And Hayward just standing there and he says, he really does want out, doesn't he? Well, Wanda is not the one that realizes that something is happening to Vision. It's Billy. Billy, who in the comics become becomes Wiccan, we now start seeing that he has some kind of superpowers as well. And he is able to sense that his father is in trouble. He's not quite sure where he is because at this point he's outside the barrier, but he can feel in his mind that his father is in trouble. He runs to Wanda and he tells her, and she does not knowing where Vision is, she realizes based on what Tommy is, or what Billy is telling her, that he's outside the barrier, but she doesn't know where. And keep in mind, the barrier is, a there, it's a five mile radius around Westview. Now, of course, logic would tell you that uh, he, he might come out where the encampment is, but She does the only thing that she can do to save him because she knows he needs to be inside the barrier. So she expands the freaking barrier and it just starts moving outward and it washes over him. So we're going to assume he's safe. We don't see because it's very soon the episode ends, but it just keeps pushing out. It washes over the encampment and the soldiers. It turns the encampment into, since they're all tents, it turns it into a circus And the soldiers become clowns and other circus folk. Um, And then everybody starts running away. And uh, Hayward and a couple of others jump in in an SUV and they drive away. They manage to escape, but they leave Darcy handcuffed to the front of a car. And so she gets sucked into the barrier as well. 
but we don't get to see what happens to her. Uh, Jimmy and Monica are already a ways away, but they can see behind them that something crazy is happening. And that's kind of when the episode ends. And I have to admit, I wasn't as pumped about this episode as the previous one, because while it does give a little bit away, it doesn't, there wasn't that, there wasn't that huge surprise of X-Man Pietro showing up at the end. And I was really kind of hoping we'd either see Monica have her powers by this episode, or when she mentioned meeting her friend, that we would finally get to see who that is. But that may have to wait until the next episode. We've only got three episodes left. This is a nine episode season. So I can't imagine what else is going to happen in these last three episodes. But I do want to go back over the theories that I have heard so far um, in regard to who the big bad might be. I've heard that it's Nightmare. I've heard that it's Mephisto. And now I've heard, you know, the theory that it's the Kree. And for all three of those... The the reason why they are manipulating Wanda is because they want her children. They wanted her to create these children. Um, but then again, it might just also be Wanda. Uh, the guy, again, over at Screen Crush, he's the one that's been, that I've been, uh, I have found his videos to be way more interesting than many of the others as far as theories and his, the way he backs up the theories and whatnot. I found his stuff more interesting. Again, I've been watching other stuff, but for some reason, his is, his is the stuff that's, that's really stuck with me. And he did a whole episode about Wanda and her split personality. And the idea that if Wanda is the big bad, then it made, she may have like, he, he compared it to Gollum and Smeagol on the Lord of the Rings. There's Gollum Wanda and Smeagol Wanda that, uh, you know, basically good Wanda or TV Wanda. She's the one that believes in the TV show and she's the one that's happy and she doesn't understand how all this started. Um, she's just content to live her life on the TV show. But when bad things start to happen and things need to be fixed, that's when Gollum Wanda takes control. She's the one that stepped out of the, the energy field to confront the sword agents. She's the one that makes changes so as not to, um, she's basically protecting TV Wanda. She's the protective personality who's protecting the other version of Wanda. And if, if we're going to go with the theory that there is no other big bad other than Wanda herself, which there is complete precedence for that in the comic books. I mean, that's pretty much what Avengers disassembled was. It was Wanda losing touch with reality based on past trauma and making changes to reality. And again, I'm not going to go through everything, but Wanda has led a very traumatic life. Very bad things have happened to her. She's lost her parents. She lost her brother and she lost her, 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 well, he wasn't her husband at the time, but the love of her life, Vision. Uh, I'm spent. I don't know that there's anything else I want to say about this. Um, this Again, this wasn't a hugely revealing episode, uh, at least to me. I'll probably start watching some of these videos and find out a bunch of stuff that I missed. Uh, but those were my impressions after watching it once. And uh, good Lord, I cannot imagine what's going to happen over the next three issues, issues, episodes, and what we might see. Until then, folks, this has been the episode. I'm out.
bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.